This message was recorded during a conference for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Thanks for coming and uh, participating. Two book recommendations just as I get started. You're going to see a lot of quotes in my outline from Ted Tripp. He's kind of my hero. wish I could grow a mustache like that man, but... Uh, Two books that you're going to see a lot of quotes from, and I would highly recommend all parents read these. One is Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Uh, What's amazing is I've had so many people misquote this book to me and reference it. And I'm like, have you ever read the book? Because I think you're misquoting it. Because, well, Ted just says this. And I'm like, that's not what he says at all. Read the book, you know. Uh, So read the book. Don't misquote it. It's really good. There is a Uh, The second book is Instructing a Child's Heart, which he wrote with his wife, um, which is more for ages 6 through 11. This goes all the way through 0 to 18, what we're going to talk about in a second. But as you came in in the back, there's also a chapter from Instructing a Child's Heart, which just uh, gets a lot of work done that I can't get to tonight. Getting from behavior to the heart. Uh, Very helpful. And this is really, I, I feel like this chapter helpfully summarizes what Ted Tripp teaches, which is just the biblical message of all of our actions come from our hearts. And when we get that uh, principle down in parenting, it helps so much to understand what's going on, why they're struggling, why they're sinning. It helps you have compassion. It helps you relate to them. It helps you put your arm around them and say, I have the same heart struggle too. You know, dad's a sinner too. And uh, it helps you so much. So you can read that on your own. Uh, very helpful resources. Ted Tripp, my parenting hero. I wish he was my dad, you know, it's just like, this is just amazing. So um, for this session, I want to focus on specific goals in parenting for each season of a kid's life. So Stephen kind of gave us the overall goal, uh, you know, to, to instruct our kids, to transfer the gospel to them, uh, that we, they would know the Lord, that we're rulers in our homes, And so we're going to get a little more specific in this session. I think I was a little overly ambitious because this is covering 0 to 18. Um, So hope the children's ministry workers are ready back there. But we're going to try to hit a little bit on each section. You see a a diagram at the beginning. This is from Randy Stinson, which is just the, the, the overall point as we're training our children. Helps us with the big picture of kind of our cultural pattern. What you can see there is our cultural pattern is we give our children a lot of freedom when they're younger. And what we see happening is as kids grow up, as they begin to have more freedom because of their age and their size and ability to drive and things like that, all of a sudden parents start reining it in. They start restricting it. And you see a lot of conflict in homes from kids are allowed to make decisions for themselves and just allowed to do what they want. And as they get older, the parents start trying to reel it in, and uh, it's hard to do. It creates a lot of conflict. But what we see with a biblical pattern is really when kids are younger, they have, uh, on here it shows very little freedom. I would say no freedom, basically, when they're younger. Uh, but then as they get older, what's amazing is as we instruct them, uh, as they grow in wisdom, uh, it's just been such a joy to watch our kids grow up and to, learn that, to watch them learn and capture truths about God and to watch them love the church, and to watch them make decisions and wrestle through it in their hearts. It's just, it's fun to watch them grow up. It's really a joy. It's a ton of work. Uh, It's so hard, but man, uh, when the biblical pattern is lived out and they grow into adults who love God, who love others, 
It's just, there's nothing like it. So it's a joy just to do that. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Training has a goal. Parenting has a goal. It has an end in mind. And the end is not that they should go, just leave our homes and get out of our homes. The end is the way that they should go, that they would love the Lord, that they would be wise, that they would fear God, honor Him with their decisions and lives. And, on, and, and the obvious truth from Proverbs 22 is we have to train them what this looks like. It's on us as parents to train them in the way they should go because their natural sinful disposition wants to go in the opposite direction. So this whole chart just demonstrates children are not born, as Stephen already told us, holy, godly, loving the Lord. They inherit our sin. They're born sinful. And God has called you as parents to correct their sin, to train them, to raise them up in the knowledge of the gospel to pray for them, uh, to teach them this is what it looks like. From a very young age, we teach them this is the authority structures, this is what it looks like. And so what I want to do is just go through briefly kind of each season of a, a child's life into adolescence and into adulthood and just say, as we're training them up in the way they should go, what should our goals be? What should, what should we be looking to accomplish in each season of our child's life? So, Age zero to five. Uh, I kind of summarize this as establishing authority and obedience. And, and I, I'm hoping that going through each season kind of simplifies it for us just a little bit because in parenting, man, there are a thousand decisions every day we're making. It can feel like there's so much I'm trying to do and get done. And I want to try to simplify it a little bit. Just here's kind of a goal for each season of life. So 0 to 5, establish authority and obedience. Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. It's one of the first scriptures we taught our kids to memorize. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Yay! We'd clap and cheer and you know, uh, they thought it was great. And I thought, this is for us. This isn't for you. This is, we're trying to help us. This, this is amazing because in this one verse, it's Paul's application of the Christian life into our different roles. And this is one sentence summary for the goal of children to learn to obey their parents in everything. This is how your child pleases the Lord and teaching them that. This is how you please the Lord. It's just one sentence, one simple thing. God only tells you one thing to please the Lord. It's to obey your parents in everything, which helps us as parents know that when I'm teaching my child to obey the Lord, I'm I, to obey me, they're pleasing God. This is how they please the Lord right now, by, by obeying their mom and dad. Ephesians 6.4, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And there's two categories there, which I think are really helpful to keep in mind instruction and discipline to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord instruction means we need to teach our kids what to do we need to teach them from a young age what the expectations are how to act how to behave how to respond they don't know they don't naturally know how to do these things we have to instruct them 
I remember talking uh, to a dad recently, and I was just, you know, his children were just running around, and uh, he was aware, man, they're just crazy. And the thing he said to me is, what are you going to do? Like, uh, tell them to stop. You know, like, uh, i tell you what I would do. You know, I, I didn't really have a good relationship with them, but I feel like that's the attitude of so many parents. Well, what are you going to do? Well, you're the parent, you know, like you're the one who trains them and teaches them. And I think it, it's helpful just to remember they don't know. They don't know how to behave. They don't know what the expectations are, you know. Uh, they don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know. They're not supposed to be jumping on the couch and doing flips. You have to teach them. The expectations in our house is we don't jump on the couch, you know. And this is just, it may be different in your house, but that was one of our things. We're not going to jump on the couch, you know. It's something we don't do. Those are the expectations. You instruct them from a young age. This is what we eat in our house. Um, you know, I have so many illustrations. I don't want to, I, I just got to use self-control here. This is how we dress. Uh, this is how we meet new people. We look up in their eyes. We say hi to them. This is how we sit quietly while waiting. This is how we ask for something. This is how you respond when you're told something to do. When mom says this command, this is how you are to respond and obey that. And they can't obey. They can't follow Colossians 3 if we're not doing our job as parents to instruct them. So if we're not giving them instruction, they can't obey those instructions. And so from a young age, if you go back to that diagram from Randy Stinson, they don't have a lot of things that they're deciding for themselves. We're instructing them from a young age. This is what you're going to do. And I see a lot of parents frustrated with their children for doing things they don't want them doing. And I think just Scripture would tell us that's really on us to instruct them. So if we're frustrated with our kids, that's really on us for not doing our job of instructing and disciplining them. So number two, so instruction is the main thing. We need to instruct them what the expectations are. Number two, we need to discipline them. We need correction when they disobey. Discipline is a painful thing in the moment. Hebrews 12.11 For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later, not right now, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I think a lot of parents desire the peaceful fruit of righteousness but that only comes with the hard work of discipline and it comes later uh, it's not something that happens right away it's a later thing that comes it's a fruit discipline produces later not instantaneously and i love ted tripp talks a lot about this about how in parenting he goes back a lot to the sowing and reaping principle We're really parenting is a long season of sowing I mean, we are just sowing and sowing and sowing. And sometimes I feel like parents want to start reaping when the kids are very little. And I just have to remind them, this is the sowing season. Uh, you know, when they're adults, I think is where you're going to reap. That's what Proverbs 22 is telling us, is train them up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. It's not when they're four, they won't depart from it. You know, it's, it's when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. And so we have to just... Keep sowing and keep sowing and keep sowing. And so just a couple of things, and maybe you guys know this, but I want to give you faith. Uh, that's kind of my goal right now for you to discipline your children. So I think it's a biblical thing. It's a wise thing. 
Uh, it's one of the main two things Scripture tells us to do for our children, to instruct them and discipline them. And it's definitely uh, pushed back against in our culture right now. It's, it's a negative thing. It's viewed as an unloving thing to discipline our children. And nothing could be further from the truth, from what Scripture teaches us. So we need God's Word to instruct our consciences so we have faith for this. So a couple points on discipline. Discipline begins with teaching our children about God's authority. So discipline is God-centered. And I'm not going to read that quote there because I think Stephen did a great job showing us how we are rulers in our home. There's an authority structure. And we ourselves are all under the authority of God. So while we're rulers in our home, we're only rulers in our home because God has said we are. And so we are under the authority of God. And so many times in our house, we had many conversations with our children where we just said, mommy and daddy's trying to obey the Lord right now. God instructs us to do this. This is God's, what God says to do. And so we want to obey the Lord in disciplining you because you're being disobedient. And so we want to be, we're, we ourselves are under authority. We are not apart from authority. We are under the authority of God. And so we want to have faith to discipline our kids. Discipline is loving. Hebrews 12.6, For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. It's not anger that He disciplines us. It's not because He's harsh and, and, and flying off the cup with us. It's because He loves us that He disciplines us. Proverbs 3.11-12, and 12, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Discipline is a sign of our love for our kids. And we always taught our children, I'm doing this because I love you. I mean, we just say it over and over and over. Daddy's disciplining you because I love you so much, um, which really means you have to do the hard work of making sure when you're disciplining your children it is out of love. That may be obvious, but that's a hard job to do. And man, you just, it's going to take a lot of repentance. Uh, if you discipline your children consistently out of anger, that misrepresents the Lord's discipline in our lives. And that's telling our kids, this, this is a retributive punishment. And this is done out of anger. It's not done out of love. And so, that is, I'm just, man... So I can give you so many illustrations of how hard that is. Because, man, that emotion starts pumping and you get offended personally because they're personally disobeying you. And it takes a lot of self-control. And just going back to the Scriptures and saying, this is, the Lord does this because He loves us. And I want to love my children. And I want to be patient and kind in my discipline. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be rude. That's not what love is. You know, so I need to, Make sure I'm doing my heart work of, dis, uh, of loving them through discipline and not just doing it out of anger. Discipline involves the rod. Proverbs 23, 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. It may sound like it at times, but he's not going to die. He may act like he's dying, but I promise you, None of our kids have died, and we have used the rod. This is a biblical thing. Discipline is painful in the moment, but it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Discipline must be consistent. Uh, really important that you decide at each age the things that you are going to discipline for. So if it's based 
on your emotion or your anger or what upsets you. There's always going to be a moving target of what am I supposed to do and what are you disciplining me for? Now, if it's done out of love, you'll say, right now in this season of your life, and, and you may have to talk about this and decide this, and this is constantly changing as they're growing, but at this season of your life, these are the things we're going to discipline you for. And you can't discipline for everything. Uh, you have to do other things in your life, like eat and sleep. So you can't do everything. So you have to decide, this is the reasonable expectations for this age. And if you don't know what that is, get counsel, seek input, just say, at this age, what, what kind of things are you disciplining for at this age? But it needs to be consistent. And I put a little list there, or maybe, I, I don't know, I, I think I put this in your outline. So, you know, disciplining for sinful outbursts, acts of unkindness, direct disobedience, uh, you know, Daddy said not to, not to touch that or get into there and they just look at you and open it with that little glare in their eyes and things like that. Transgression of clearly communicated standards, you know. I, I, I understand that you know that you're not supposed to do this and you're doing it anyway. You're disobeying. And that's where instruction has to precede discipline and makes it effective. They need to know what the expectations are so they can obey you. Discipline does provide gospel opportunities, so I don't want to act like ages zero to five. Um, there is no gospel going on because we're obviously preaching the gospel to our kids, but honestly, this is not like an hour-long message every day when we spank our children or discipline them. It's really brief, and the main thing that we found in our house is discipline. One of the, one of the blessings of discipline is it leads to reconciliation. So when we fail to discipline, when our kids disobey and they disregard our instruction, and when they sin against God and they disobey God and they disobey us and there's no discipline, then what I've seen happen is we, we grow bitter and angry and we're frustrated and there's no peace in the home and we're just constantly frustrated that they're not doing what we expect them to do. And what happens is there's just this constant animosity. They're disobeying. We're angry with them. And what we found in our home is discipline provides an opportunity for reconciliation. It's loving. It just was able to, to acknowledge there was disobedience. Uh, we were able to discipline them, which meant it was over. It's been paid for. The crime's been paid for. We're not going to keep bringing it up. We're not going to sit here stewing on it. We're not going to be angry about it. And then every time... We discipline. It just ends with, you know, love and hugs and reconciliation. We didn't want to make them feel like, I'm going to hold this against you for the rest of the day. Uh, it was a moment of reconciliation where they would say, you know, sometimes they would say, I'm so sorry, <laughs> not always, but uh, we would hug them, tell them how much we love them, you know, and then we'd go play. We'd go back out together. And so it is wonderful when we're consistent when we do it out of love, that it provides this reconciliation between us and our children. And, all, and there's a quote there, another one by Ted Tripp. But all these attitudes, this behavior is linked to their heart. And so you want to be at these young ages introducing the category of the heart. You want to be introducing why would you do that? I don't think they're always good at a young age of saying why they would do something. I don't think they always know. So I think if you're too focused on you know, having these long dialogues, it can exasperate your children, I think, at times. So really for us, it's here's the expectations. You know, God has made me the ruler, authority in this home. You've disobeyed. Let's be reconciled. Let's acknowledge that. 
let's pray together, let's seek the Lord, let's go try again, you know, the Lord is uh, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and let's keep working at this together. So that's ages 0 to 5. Sorry I'm moving so fast. Ages 6 through 11, I summarize with formative instruction, which is really where you're trying to get to the heart. So ages 6 to 11, and these are general time frames, you know, uh, for some kids, maybe they're advanced, some it may be later, but they're really formative years. Uh, it's just this transition time when they're moving, uh, you know, into the teen years, in a couple years. Uh, they're growing in their awareness of the world around them. They're deepening their understanding of life, their hearts, friendships, sin. There's a growing awareness of other people. They're expanding their circle of influences. There's many ideas taking shape which are going to influence their worldview. Maybe, maybe simple at this stage, but very uh, important concepts of God being the ruler and this is God's world and God has made everything. And beginning to understand that sin is coming out of this heart that craves things and desire things and they're beginning to be able to communicate why they wanted something and why they wanted to disobey. And, and so it's the season of slowly and wisely introducing decisions and choices. Randy Stinson, a quote on your outline, says, it's never enough to just focus on behavior. So at a young age, it seems like a lot of it is focused on behavior. But we're transitioning to train children to obey you immediately. It's not enough to focus on this, to sit up straight, not interrupt, do their schoolwork faithfully, and so on. You have to do a work in their heart. As you've probably heard along the way, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. This is especially true as your children move past the stage where they are fairly easy to control physically. Once they start experiencing more freedoms, you have to increasingly lead them through the influence of an engaging relationship. So in this season, you're really building a relationship with your children. You know, they have a deepening interest. They're getting hobbies. They're starting to enjoy sports. And, and you want to have a relationship with them and lead them and guide them through this season. Uh, which one of the main things we want to be doing in the season is feeding them the Word of God. So we want to just bring everything to God's Word. An understanding of God's Word. This is God's world. You know, we want Scripture to be at the center of everything we do. This is from a quote by Ted and Margie Tripp from Instructing a Child's Heart. They say, Everyday life affords scores of opportunities to connect Scripture to life. From lost book bags to broken friendships and poor test grades, scores of training opportunities evaporate without notice as we hurry through our days thinking that devotional time with our children is enough, our responses to the circumstances and crises of everyday life make our theology real. So I think there's a combination here of intentional time of getting in the Word and training our children and reading them good books and, and reading God's Word to them. But really, this is the age where they're beginning to make these connections. That's why this matters. Oh, this this conflict I had at school and I had this fight with this other little girl and we both wanted this and they're beginning to make these connections. This is because of my heart, because I wanted something and we're bringing Scripture to bear on their lives and it's formative instruction because it's forming their worldview. 
It's making it real for them. It's bringing theology down to their level into everyday life. This is the definition Ted Tripp gives of formative instruction. It's teaching that forms our children. It enables them to root life in God's revelation in the Bible. It provides a culture for our children, a culture that is distinctly Christian. Formative instruction is before the problem instruction. So I will say, times of corrective discipline are not necessarily the best time for this kind of instruction. This needs to be done before the heat of a situation comes. So we're, we're, we're instructing our children. We're giving them a worldview. We've established authority. They've learned to obey mom and dad. Um, by the way, if, if you know, I've talked to parents who miss that and their kids are getting older and it's never, I love how Ted Tripp says this, it's never too late to start. And it's never too late to come to your kids and say, I'm sorry, I've been, I've been doing this wrong. Uh, Daddy should have been doing this. You know, he should have been uh, teaching you this and I have not done my job. Well, will you forgive me? And, I, and we're going to start today. And let me begin, you know, teaching you what I'm learning from God's Word. So it's never too late to start this. But we don't want to, in the moment of discipline, um, you know, just that's not the best time always to be providing all this instruction. You want to do it ahead of time. And I think there's some scriptures there that are helpful towards this, like Colossians and Ephesians. It's really the danger Scripture gives us in parenting. There's not a lot, but here's a few it gives us. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And then Ephesians 6.4 similarly, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Which is this formative instruction it's helping them understand the world God's created and what our expectations are. So I think this takes place. I think Stephen did a great job of communicating about school and just want to reiterate, this is our responsibility as parents. This is not um, someone else's responsibility. Teachers can help us. Uh, schools can support us, but we can't delegate this to someone else. And we can't expect someone else is going to do this for us. It's a great quote from... Uh, Jason Halopoulos, who wrote a book, A Neglected Grace, about family worship in the home, talks about, you know, our worship at home, our worship together as a community, uh, how we live life together. Really helpful stuff, I think, communicating just how all these things come together to form our children. So when we're doing devotions at home and we're bringing God's Word to bear and they come to church on Sunday morning and they sing together and then their teachers here are instructing them, and what they are hearing at home, and they're just getting it from multiple places. And the importance of this Christian worldview at this age cannot be overstated. It's forming how they think about the world. Um, so it's a season of shepherding their hearts, bringing Scripture to bear on all areas of life, and forming a worldview that will prepare them for the teen years. And then finally ages 12 and above, the relay age when they're teenagers is really a season of owning their faith and growing in wisdom. I would just say uh, the teenage years is a rich season of parenting. Uh, people speak negatively about it, and I just could not disagree more about the teen years. It's, I love uh, 
Well, I don't love, so everyone's different. Everyone, I, you know, I talk to people who love snuggling the babies. It just wasn't my thing, you know. I was like, okay, I'll hold them. Uh, I'm going to set them down now. It's, it's just, I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. Just not, it, wasn't, it just wasn't my thing. 6 to 11, I really enjoyed as they started getting hobbies and interests and conversation. And I love seeing their mind develop. And I love seeing them work through things. And I love just coming alongside of them and helping them. Uh, but the teen years have been my favorite. Because you just get to see, you start getting to see little glimpses of fruit. And you just, you think, oh my goodness, that was 14 years in the making. Like, you know, you're just like, that. it was all worth it. Uh, it's so encouraging. You just see little glimpses. And uh, it brings you so much joy because you worked so hard for it. But I love the teen years. I love seeing them process theology and work through it and wrestling with their hearts. And man, I, I will tell you this, okay? It is not any easier. I hate to, I'm sorry. If you have little kids, it doesn't get easier. It just changes. Uh, man, when they're little, it's so physically challenging because you're establishing authority and you can physically control them. Uh, two of my sons are bigger than me now. They can beat me up probably, so I can't physically control them anymore. And it's, but it is exhausting just how much communication and dialogue and things you're talking through and thinking through. But it's a rich season of parenting I found. I love this quote by Paul Tripp. This is an age of opportunity. He says, it's time for us to reject the wholesale cynicism of our culture regarding adolescence. Rather than years of undirected and unproductive struggle, these are years of unprecedented opportunity. They are golden. They are the golden age of parenting. When you begin to reap all the seeds you have sown in their lives, when you can help your teenager to internalize truth, preparing him or her for a productive, God-honoring life as an adult. So they're increasingly making decisions. They're developing convictions. They're processing the world around them. They're interacting with more friends. And really the key is communication in this season. Everything, almost everything, you're going to want to accomplish in these years comes from communication. It comes from dialogue. It comes from thinking and talking through and bringing God's Word to bear. So it's really the main tool that God has given us. This is a, a helpful chart Ted Tripp uses, which he's just trying to communicate that, you know, as they get older, what we're seeking to do is come alongside and influence our kids. Um, we don't want to, you know, we've established this authority, hopefully at a younger age. They're still under our authority. He's not saying they're no longer under our authority, but as they're making more decisions and having more freedoms, we, we think through things together. We listen, we process, we talk through them. We're beginning to, to understand why they're thinking the way they're thinking. Um, we're asking questions. We're hearing, what is, what, are you, what is your conviction? What are you thinking about? How are you processing this, you know? ethics and, and understanding God's world and all these things are coming into play at this age. Which means that really, in this season, it begins with learning to listen. Uh, so I feel like a lot of times, what we've done most of when the kids are growing up is talking. Uh, we're instructing, which is our job. We're called to instruct them. We're giving commands. We're instructing. We're teaching them. And there's a transition where we begin really listening 
and hearing what's coming out of their hearts and walking alongside them and processing things, these struggles that they're having as they enter the teen years, as they're wrestling with their hearts and thinking through friendships and um, all these new things going on in their bodies. You know, we're listening and understanding them. Ted Tripp says, the finest art of communication is not the ability to express your thoughts and ideas. It is the ability to understand the thoughts and ideas of your kids. And multiple proverbs say this, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. I think some of the things, mistakes we've made in the teen years is just not listening well. We begin teaching and instructing and saying this is, and then you just realize at some point, I'm not really hearing what they're saying. I'm not really hearing what their struggle is. I'm not listening well right now. I'm just diving into, no, we're not going to do that. And here's not how, why we're not going to do it. And that's the end of the conversation, you know? And the teen years, that's hard because they want to know, help me know why, you know? And in the young years, it's not for you to question why, only to obey or die. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> All of a sudden, they're questioning why, and you want to say that, and you're like, well, let me explain to you why I'm thinking this way. Let me bring you into my thought process. You want to hear them and listen to them. Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Uh, Your kids, your teens talking to you is just a gift that they're sharing with you, and they're expressing, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's sin. Here's... And if they will bring that to you, you just want to be thankful. You want them to feel like I can come and share with mom and dad anything. And I don't have to go somewhere else. I don't have to go to these friends. I don't have to go to school to share what's going on in me. I have two people right there so ready to listen and help me and will, and will pray with me and walk alongside me. Um, problems are opportunities in the season. They really are. Uh, it's an inconvenience but it is an opportunity. So don't look at problems with dread. Look at them as opportunities for conversation to grow. Ask a lot of questions. James 1.19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then just several points of application. All of these come straight from Ted Tripp when he addressed parents of teens when he came here. But just some things I see people doing that I would be cautious of in the teen years. Uh, Don't sweat the small stuff. You know, I love Ted Tripp. He always uses the illustration of like, hey, your son comes home one day with blue hair. And he's like, a lot of parents freak out. And he's just kind of like, it's blue hair. You know, like it's not that big a deal. They're going to look back at it 20 years from now and laugh at themselves. And you're going to laugh at them right now, but they're going to laugh at themselves later. And so... We don't want to really sweat the small stuff like issues of style, uh, preferences. They're developing their own thoughts. And and sometimes that contempt parents, they're doing things differently. Um, Zeke, my son, he cheers for the Baltimore Ravens. I think he chose them just to spite me, you know, because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. And I'm like, you are just rebellious. This is just disobedience. But it's really not that. It's somewhat important. It's not that important. But he chose it from a young age. And I was like, you are just a rebel without a cause, you know? So you know what I did? I started cheering for the Ravens. I was let's go Ravens. And kind of lost interest after that. Like, I was just doing that to get a rise from you, you know? So really, we want to focus on issues of morality. Uh, respect, integrity, loving God, loving others, 
A lot of time, parents have fights with teens over things of small importance. They really want to focus on hard issues, issues of character. Uh, does this reflect who you are? You know, it's just, just a small preference thing, a style thing, or is this really a moral issue that comes from a heart that we want to fear God in this issue? This is important. Uh, purity for my kids, that's an important issue. I talk to them a lot about that. We want to be pure. Man, we want to guard our hearts from temptation to sin. This is, that's not a small thing. That's the things that I want them to hear. That's important to, to dad, and that's important to the Lord. Now, my haircut, not really that important, you know? And if we have the same volume on all issues, I think that confuses. Well, this is as important as that. No, this is of an extreme importance. And this, this is just, you're being silly at this point, and I'm going to mock you for that. But it's really not, you're going to mock yourself when you look back down the road. And I love when kids start realizing, like, I'm going to look at pictures of this and this is going to be really embarrassing down the road. And I always tell them, it's embarrassing right now. You're just not aware of it. So don't sweat the small stuff. Have a commitment to resolve conflict biblically. Um, you know, humble yourself. When you get angry, and I would say this all the way down the line, actually. If you get angry with your kids, confess, say, you know, will you forgive me for getting angry with you? That was... What you just saw from dad was sinful anger. Will you forgive me? There may be moments when you go to discipline children and instead the Lord's disciplining you and you're just asking for forgiveness. That's reconciliation. Your kids know when you're angry. You know when you're angry. They know when you're angry. And so we want to resolve things biblically. We want to humble ourselves. Uh, it's amazing when we've humbled ourselves how soft our kids get towards us. They're forgiving um, they'll come near to you, they'll give you a hug, forgive you, and then you say, well, now let's talk about your contribution, you know, like, and uh, then it changes a little bit. Oh, I thought this was about you. It was, and now it's about you, you know, uh, but com commit to communication that gives grace to those who hear. Apply the scriptures to your own life. Uh, Ted Tripp, in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, uh, I think it's in that book, it may be in the other one, but he has a whole chapter on pleasant words. Just pleasant words in our home. You know, con resolving conflict biblically starts with us, our tone, how we talk to our kids, humbling ourselves, using pleasant words. Um, have a commitment to resolve conflict biblically, not to just leave it angry and we're just going to storm away and we're not going to talk about it anymore. Um, we want to resolve things biblically. Identify with their struggles. I think Stephen is great saying, I wish I'd shared my testimony more with my kids. Uh, come alongside them. When we get to the heart, this is the great thing. When we deal with heart issues, we have, de we have struggled with everything our kids are going to struggle with. Every single thing we have struggled with. And so we can identify with their struggles. I understand. That is hard. I remember that. That is a temptation. That's a struggle. When someone treats you that way, and, you know, you start getting into these teen relationships and they're just you know, they're immature. They're immature Christians trying to learn how to be friends to one another. They're going to have conflict. They're going to say hurtful things. They're going to slander one another. That hurts to be slandered. And so your kids may come and say, well, you know, they're talking about me and this person said this and come alongside them. That hurts. That does hurt when someone does that. How are we to respond as Christians? What does God tell us to do in this case? How can we be forgiving and show grace? Do you need to talk? You know, we want to identify with their struggles. Keep the focus on the heart. 
So constantly making connections, that chapter covers it very well between behaviors and their heart issues. And then keep Christ and the Gospel in focus and central. So just constantly, you know, every Sunday we get to sing to the Lord. We get to hear the Gospel preached. We hear God's Word. We're applying it together as a family. Uh, Every night we're singing the Gospel and praying the Gospel and talking about the Gospel. And so we just want to keep the Gospel central in everything we do as parents. So sorry, big fly over there. Uh, Each one of those could have been multiple sessions, but kind of my heart was, I really wanted to give you faith. Just going back to that beginning diagram of God's wisdom in His Word for us as parents and the blessing it is. Uh, Man, we're just, I mean, we're just on the the first fruits of kind of getting to experience that. But just the blessing of getting kids who grow up to love the Lord and you have a good relationship with them and you love them and they love the local church. What a blessing. Uh, I think back to my childhood growing up and man, these kids having you guys as parents is a massive blessing to them that you're here tonight and you're going to bring them up in the instruction. The discipline and instruction of the Lord is a huge blessing for them. I just want to impart faith for you. Um, God is faithful. His word is true. Uh, he has grace for you as parents. Through each season, He will give you grace to help you accomplish these goals. So, uh, Let me pray for you. And then I think uh, we're going to do some Q&A. Okay. So Lord, thank you for these parents tonight. I do pray that you'll fill them with faith tonight. Just for each day, each moment. New mercies every day. I pray that no one would be overwhelmed with thinking through 18 years, but just tomorrow morning they'd have fresh faith for what you've called them to do. They'd have fresh mercy in their life um, to parent these children you've entrusted to us, Lord. And that is a humbling task. Uh, It's a humbling thing to be entrusted with this little soul and instruct them and discipline them, but you give us grace each day. So I pray for these parents here that you would give them grace to fulfill this task for your glory, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a conference given for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.